You're listening to Distilling Theology. I'm Blake. And I'm Justin. And this is a podcast pairing discussions of theology and distilled spirits. And dad jokes. Amen. What's wrong with you people? (laughs) You're not David. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Fatality. You know, starting a podcast about theology and distilled spirits is whiskey business. (laughs) I said that with a straight face. This is Distilling Theology. Welcome to episode 51 of Distilling Theology. I'm your host, Blake Courtright, joined as always by my good buddy, my partner in crime, the goose to my maverick, Justin Van Riper. Actually, it would probably be the other way around, but you know what? Here we are. Justin, how you doing, bro? <laughs> I am absolutely thrilled that anyone would take time out of their day to sit with us and talk about anything. Actually, most of them are probably not talking to us. That would be kind of strange, but, <laughs> but we're happy to have you here anyway. Yes. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, before we jump into our uh, tasting and topic. Justin, we have some, some new stuff going on. Uh, I want to let people know if they want to represent distilling theology beyond just uh, social media posts, how can people do that in real life? Well, people have been asking. We have finally delivered. We have new merch, folks. If you haven't heard the bird is the word. Go over to shopdistillingtheology.com and check out our Covenant Theology is Distilled Theology apparel. We have hats, both in the form of dad hat and beanie. We have hoodies, which are here to keep you warm during these cold and dark winter months. In these we, difficult times. In these trying times, you can wear a long sleeve men or women's shirt. Preferably get one that suits your gender. (laughs) We are Christians, and there are only two. Amen. Also, get yourself a fleece blanket to cozy up by the fire. Read John Calvin, The Institutes of the Christian Religion, to really further your mind. And grab a mug while you're at it, so you can sip coffee by that fire. And much, much more. No, we have a bunch of stuff going on over at uh, ShopDistillingTheology.com. We've been uh, pumping out some merch. We're really excited about it. Uh, there will be more merch coming. Um, we're just kind of having fun, you know? We're having fun with it. Um, and we, we we do this for you, honestly. We're we're doing this for you. Are you sure about that? <laughs> oh, so, Blake, what else boy. do we have going on that's really exciting and new? Well, this is week two of our Calvin giveaway. That's right, folks. Head over to distillingtheology.com slash giveaway and enter for your chance to win a copy of the Institutes of the Christian Religion, the Letters of John Calvin, Truth for All Time, and a Covenant Theology is Distilled Theology mug. This giveaway is running through December 18th. That is Friday. So make sure that you submit your entry by Friday for your chance to win. We will announce the winner on next week's episode, which will be out on December 22nd. So be sure to head over there. And again, thanks to Banner of Truth for providing us with a copy of Truth for All Time and the Institutes of the Christian Religion. Super cool. Very, very excited. This is our biggest giveaway yet. Uh, One grand prize winner. So be sure to head over there, enter, share with your friends, share with your enemies. And so on and so forth. Now, Justin, what are we tasting tonight as we pour it from our little sample bottles? Tonight we are not sipping a whiskey. 
We Is are that legal? sipping a green chartreuse bottled at 55% ABV or 110 proof. It is a French herbal liquor. Liqueur. Liqueur, as it were. Like, tell us more about this. I have uh, not had chartreuse before. So chartreuse is an interesting... I find it a very fascinating liqueur. And like many things you'll see in the world of distilled spirits, there's a lot of myth and legend and storytelling around it, but it is fascinating. Nonwithstanding, this is a herbal liqueur that is made... uh, It's like a neutral grain spirit that has been combined or, or, you know... with that, they have macerated 130 different herbs. Um, and the recipe and the proportions are only known to two monks in uh, the order of Chartreuse there in France. And as I recall from the stories I've heard, one monk knows one portion of it and the other monk knows the other portion. Really? So, and <laughs> so they pass it on. Yeah. And according to legend, in 1605, the monks at the Chartreuse monastery received a gift a manuscript for an elixir of long life. And the manuscript wasn't fully understood because I think they were translating it until mm-hmm. 1737. And then the formula was finally prepared into a spirit in 1764. And it is aged in oak barrels, but they never they don't say how long it's been aged. They do have a VEP version, which is much older and much more expensive. Um, but this one is quite good. It is a fascinating spirit. If you're looking to get into the world of kind of more diverse and interesting things. This is a really unique way to go. Uh, it is a little bit expensive for a full-size bottle unless you really love it. Now, again, the VEP one, amazing, really expensive. This is quite good, though, on its own. They also have a yellow chartreuse, which tends to be a little bit more honeyed and sweeter, a little more mellow. But I'm excited to get into this. We used to use this a lot in cocktails at the Speakeasy Bar that I worked at. Now, Justin, just out of curiosity, since I've had it before, but what are you smelling out of the gate? It's a lot more herbal. Uh, than I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little bit of citrus, a little bit of sort of like a, not quite a honeyed citrus, but like almost like candied apples. Mm-hmm. No, those are good notes. There's also something a little bit more astringent going on in the backside there. Um, it reminds me, it's hard to put a it's hard to put a label on it because it's so different from a lot of the things that we've tried. Well, it's, it's different it's almost from got like a tartness to it as well. Yeah, it's uh, got a little bit of a bite. There's a little bit of a peppery, like black peppery, like the smell of black pepper when it's freshly ground. A little bit yeah, of that okay, going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's um, really on the back. That's really heavy on the back. Yeah, but it does have that sweetness. It has that herbalness. It's almost got like fresh alpine air. So like being up in the Adirondack High Peaks above mm. treeline. And the breeze is blowing in like the early fall or the or the early summer in those sort of transitional times. And you get that fresh alpine breeze. There's a little bit of that going on, which is one of yeah, my favorite things about these herbal liqueurs. You get kind of like a blend of cedar and um, mm-hmm. mint. Yep. Yeah. It's very, fr- I mean, it's very fresh. There's almost like, um, what's that spice? Sage. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah, dude, it's really fascinating. And at 110 proof, it's not to be messed around with. Like it is, I I, I caught myself there. I had to be a little careful when I was taking a whiff because it's still pretty intense. There's the more I, the more I'm, I'm nosing it here. (laughs) I'm almost getting a sort of like a vanilla chocolate. Ooh, okay. I also get some sea salt in there as well. That kind of passes through. Like um like a sea breeze. Again, that's kind of okay, going yeah. through the With middle the fresh of it. mountain air. 
Yeah, yeah. Like you're near the ocean. So not quite Adirondacks, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I'm excited, man. Yeah. This is this is interesting. Yeah. This All is right. unique. Well, cheers. And again, this has been this recipe supposedly has been around for four hundred and fifteen years. And it has Most been prepared impressive. Yeah, by these monks for over two hundred and forty six years. So by the way, for you patrons fifty six years. Oh you can see the color of this. Oh yeah. It's uh it's very green. It's almost like a mossy green. Mm-hmm. Uh this is okay, so this is super niche, but this is the color of lake water when you're scuba diving. Ooh. Um so I, I I've I've dove in, in a few lakes now and they have a very I mean, it's very much like this green, this green color mm-hmm. here, um, yeah. depending on the lake. Uh, but yeah, you guys can kind of see that. Little treat for patrons. All right. Well, let's get into it. I'm very curious to see what you think of the taste. Cheers. Wow. <laughs> that is not what I expected. No. Oh, Dude. my goodness. You know, it's funny. I'm I'm getting... I'm getting honey. I'm getting like cardamom. Mm-hmm. I am getting that black pepper in the palate. It's very sugary. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's a lot. Sh- it's a lot sweeter than I anticipated. So it's like a bitter mm-hmm. but menthol sweetness. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. There's almost like there's pine needles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've d- yeah, I have it, e- I have tasted pine needles unintentionally. So yeah, it's not like too bitter, too tannic, like no. I like I would have expected it to be. Um, I gotta go in again. Mm-hmm. It's very viscous. It's got a very full-bodied mouthfeel. Um, it reminds me. It almost has a honey texture. It's not quite that viscous, but it's in that. It's moving in that direction. Man, that's very. Um, it's almost like a like a sweet caramel lime covered apple. <laughs> <laughs> mm. um okay man that's unique yeah it's that's tasty though dude it is so one of the classic drinks you would put this in is the last word cocktail mm. um, which originates in 1920 as many classic cocktails too and for this you're using um technically it would be genever but you can use gin which is genever was just kind of the precursor to gin um mm. you would use green chartreuse you would use maraschino liqueur and fresh lime juice all equal proportions, usually three quarters of an ounce each, and you would shake it, serve it up in a cocktail glass, and garnish it with a single maraschino cherry. And dude, it is a amazing cocktail, especially with the fresh squeezed lime juice coming through and a good quality um, London Dry style gin. Dude, it is unbelievable. Very so what good I'm drink. what I'm hearing is you're going to make one for me when I visit. I have to get another bottle of chartreuse, but yes, yes, we shall because, and I have to get maraschino <laughs> liqueur. But anyways, uh. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm a big fan of these kinds of liqueurs. And what else I find just kind of as a side note of uh, fascination is you start reading about things like chartreuse. We'll get into Benedictine eventually. Um, Booms McCloister bitter. There's a whole bunch of these like French herbal liqueurs that originated between the 15 and 1700s. And they all kind of have a similar profile, but there's still a lot of diversity within those. Mm. And you know, you think about like Martin Luther and he, know, you know, he's known for his Wittenberg ale, but at the same time, there were monks in these monasteries who were taking herbs and plants and macerating them in with these neutral grain spirits and making kind of medicinal um, in, in some categories, medicinal uh, elixirs 
to help. And there is some. But bleak alcohol is 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 of the devil. You should go check out I mean, episode forty nine. The the people that would make this would run around saying, "All hail the Snake Lord." Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, <laughs> thankfully the serpent has been defeated oh, in battle. Got him. And uh, on that note, I'm going to read from the Valley of Vision. This is page three hundred and twenty eight. If you have it, please join along with us. The servant in battle. O Lord, I bless thee that the issue of the battle between thyself and Satan has never been uncertain and will end in victory. Calvary broke the dragon's head, and I contend with a vanquished foe, who with all his subtlety and strength has already been overcome. When I feel the serpent at my heel, may I remember him whose heel was bruised, but who, when bruised, broke the devil's head. My soul with inward joy extols the mighty conqueror. Heal me of any wounds received in the great conflict. If I have gathered defilement, if my faith has suffered damage, if my hope is less than bright, if my love is not fervent, if some creature comfort occupies my heart, if my soul sinks under pressure of the fight. O thou whose every promise is balm, every touch life, draw near to thy weary warrior. Refresh me, that I may rise again to wage the strife, and never tire until my enemy is trodden down. Give me such fellowship with thee that I may defy Satan, unbelief, the flesh, the world, with delight that comes not from a creature, and with a creature cannot mar. Give me a draught of the eternal fountain that lieth in thy immutable everlasting love and decree. Then shall my hand never weaken. My feet never stumble, my sword never rest, my shield never rust, my helmet never shatter, my breastplate never fall, as my strength rests in the power of thy might. Amen. Amen. Mm. Man. Just a reminder for you weary warriors. Dude, that's so good. And related to our surprise topic today, which comes to us from one of the reformed streams, (laughs) this time from the continent, from the Dutch reformed stream. Dutch, That's right, we're going to be visiting, yeah, uh, like our boys Herman Bavink, Gerhardus Voss, and Wilhelm Zebrakel. <laughs> Ding! Uh, I am also Dutch, by the way. Oh. But not in my theology. <laughs> well, we're all being sanctified. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, so Justin, what are we uh, discussing today? What are we digging into? Yeah, so as you may know, if you are uh, familiar at all with reform circles, we have Many documents that we like to refer to um, throughout history. A lot of things have been written down for the edification of the saints uh, and for the ultimately the the keeping of the church uh, mm. as far as keeping our doctrine pure uh, and righteous and good. Um, and so if you don't know what a catechism is, it's basically just a book of questions with answers. That uh, sounds so that sounds papist, Justin. It's <laughs> well, you know, papist going to pape and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Dispy's going to disp. So the Heidelberg Catechism is what we're going to be referring to today. It was first published in 1563, and it is a fantastic collection of doctrinal statements in the form of mm-hmm. uh, old school Jeopardy questions and answers. <laughs> uh, rest in peace, Alex Trebek. Mm. 
Yeah, so this week, in light of the prayer we talked about, in light of everything going on in the world, and things are uncertain and crazy, and uh, Justin and I were both talking about that earlier today. Um, in our own ways, we're both struggling with some of the things going on in the world, and just uncertain. You know, not not doubting the sovereignty of God, and yet there is, there are practical concerns and things that we face and uncertainties that we're uncertain of, mm. and even as we trust God eternally. Sometimes in the practical day-to-day living, that can become difficult. And that's one thing that I love about the Heidelberg Catechism. Don't get me wrong. I love my Westminster larger and shorter catechism. They're deep. They're detailed. Like if you want to examine um, what is forbidden in the sixth commandment, what is commanded in the sixth commandment, the Heidelberg or, or sorry, the Westminster standards are amazing. However, the Heidelberg is written specifically with this pastoral tone. And we've spoken mm-hmm. about this before, but um, we're going to start honestly with just question one. Because it's so good and so timely. Uh, and for me, such a, a tactile reminder uh, of our hope and of the God that we serve. I don't know mm-hmm. if you want to read it. Yeah. So question one of the Heidelberg Catechism. What is thy only comfort in life and in death? The answer being that I, with body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own but belong unto my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who, with his precious blood, has fully satisfied for all of my sins and delivered me from all the power of the devil and so preserves me that without the will of my heavenly Father not a hair can fall from my head, yea, that all things must be subservient to my salvation, and therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me sincerely willing and ready henceforth to live unto him. Mm. Amen. There's a lot packed in there. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week because thanks for tuning in. (laughs) Nothing I'm going to say is going to surpass that. No, but it's, Oh man. (laughs) I also love that. That's the, the question isn't framed. Um, what is your, you know, what is your faith? What is your hope? It's what is your Mm. only comfort in life and in death? Yeah. Well, Okay, so we could just go line by line, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> considering what we've come up through so far in these past um, weeks, mm-hmm. and ultimately our entire podcast to this point, yeah. um, if if any of what we have said is true, right? If Reformed theology is true, if if uh, Calvinism is true, if God is truly sovereign, and humans are indeed totally depraved, um, that first line can be the only option <laughs> mm. if we're to have any hope whatsoever. If we're going to have hope of any sort of salvation as totally depraved peoples, the only salvation and the only comfort for salvation must be in Jesus the Christ. Right? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. We're unable. We're unable to live uh, good and holy and righteous lives. And therefore... Where else is our comfort going to come from? And I wanted to read. These are all King James because it's right off of reformstandards.com and their great, footnotes are referenced out of uh, uh, relight.app, which is also an amazing resource. Mm. Um, but this first line, right, that I, with body and soul, both in life and death, and the citations for that are from Romans 14, verse 7, which reads, for none of us liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. In other words, our life and our death is bound up in Christ. 
right? Mm-hmm. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. And mm-hmm. what a, for, I mean, <laughs> I'm getting like, well, he chills purchased to that. us with mm. his blood, mm-hmm. right? We were adopted. Now, there's, I think it's important to distinguish there's a difference between everything being God's mm-hmm. because he is the creator and sustainer of all things. Yeah. So everything belongs to him. Mm. And when he comes back and redeems creation, he's going to come back and say, that's mine and that's mine and it's all mine. Mm. Right. He all right. owns Amen. it all. So that's one portion, mm-hmm. but we have been specially purchased mm-hmm. by the blood of the cross to be adopted as saints, sons and daughters into the body of Christ, into the family of God. And that's something that is exclusive to the elect. Mm-hmm. And so our our whole mind, body and soul, like it says, yeah. utterly belong to, to King Jesus, right? We belong to him both by right and by purchase. Well, right. It's body and soul, as you said, right? It's both a physical right. and a spiritual. We're not Gnostic heretics here. We're not spouting <laughs> out that, well, the, the body's evil and it's only the soul. No, like the, no, the, the body is sinful, but it's right. mm. it's it's right. being redeemed. <laughs> Did not the son redeem in the flesh mm. the body, right? Amen. Did he not redeem the human soul, the human body? We'll get into that when we get to Christology. I'm sorry, jump yeah, the gun. Yeah. But I'm just so excited. Well, and the reference here... Um, <laughs> mm. The reference here is is First Corinthians, right? Oh yeah, First Corinthians six yeah. nineteen. What no? Um, of course, the King James. What know ye not that body that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? Mm. Are ye not your own? Um, good mm. old King James, I love it. But yeah. uh, if it was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but. <laughs> He 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 purchases us with purchases purchases us. <laughs> I can English. He purchases us <laughs> with the blood on the cross mm-hmm. through the Son, and he secures that salvation with the Holy Spirit. Mm. We are made secure by the indwelling of the Spirit. He didn't like some pastors might say change forms. He the person of the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit was sent and indwells us those who trust and believe in him right well listen to what jesus says right i i it is good that i go to the father Mm. for he will send you another helper another paraclete another comforter another one to Mm -hmm. come alongside to your defense yes it's not merely like we'll we'll get into this when we talk about the word paraclete it's more than just like comfort like oh oh it makes me feel warm and fuzzy it's like a comforter (laughs) like a lawyer coming to your defense to stand before the judge uh if if the spirit is another comforter and that mm. means Jesus is the first, right? So anyways, whoo, getting, getting way, all theology is connected <laughs> to all theology. But then this line, right? Belong unto my faithful savior, Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 3, 23. And ye are Christ's and Christ is God's. Mm. And Titus 2, 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous for good works, zealous for good works, right? We are not... The peculiar people of the Lord, the bride of Christ, is not to sit back and say, well, Jesus saved me, so uh, I'm just going to ride it out till Judgment Day. Mm. Like, we're supposed to be zealous mm-hmm. for the working out of, of his kingdom. Well, we're, we're supposed going to be zealous. This, we're going through this sort of in church. We're, mm. uh, we're preaching through First John, right? Mm. And it talks about the marks of the believers and the unbelievers. And we are, we are not turning uh, to these works 
out of obligation. Mm-hmm. We're doing so because we love God mm. and we honor him and we can't wait to do these works. These works were were put before us that we may walk in them and mm. that we do so joyfully. So, and, and again, this is important. These works are not meritorious. They don't save us. Okay. But they are, are necessary. They are necessary. <laughs> but they are a necessary evidence of Christ actually being in you. Yeah. If, if, if you're not invested in doing God's work that he's laid out for you, it leads, begs the question is, is the spirit in you? Right. And there's a, a diagram and I don't remember if it was an American gospel or mm. if it was in Les's film Calvinist. So forgive me for forgetting that, but it shows like the Romish way of thinking is that the works are at the root of the tree. Mm-hmm. And then the tree is your, your, your life. And then your the fruit that you bear, you, you know, you have faith and you trust in Jesus. And where the Reformation doctrine is so it's so critical, right? Justification by faith alone. Well, what is faith? Faith is union with Christ. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in that union with Christ, we have salvation because Christ is, right? It's it's ultimately it's salvation through Christ alone. Amen. And but the faith is the instrument of that union. And in that union with Christ, right, what happens? The faith is at the root, right? We're 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 connected to Christ by faith, and as a result, we will bear good works as fruit if we are in mm-hmm. Him, right? If we abide mm-hmm. in Him and He in us, then we will bear much fruit, right? It, yeah. it it seems very simple when we like take a step back and look at it, but I think so often we can get hung up and we try to pit um, Paul against James and well, I was all just going to say they always try to they always point to that to to, to James, and that's mm-hmm. so easily reconcilable when you mm. understand salvation and mm-hmm. and how we are saved you know without salvation by faith alone that doesn't actually make any sense right um <laughs> if anything that those two things it's almost like okay it's almost like god's word is totally unified in what it's saying <laughs> and it's what? totally consistent and there aren't actually contradictions there's actually a really good quote i posted in the distilling theology group earlier in the week which i'm indebted to chris Santola for pointing it out and then i went and found it in reformed dogmatics volume four page 223 mm. bobink writes paul fights against dead works while james wages a campaign against a dead faith so they're not like when James says no one's justified by faith alone, right? And when Paul says you're not justified by works, but mm-hmm. by faith alone, they're not contradicting one another. Precisely. What are they doing, right? Paul is fighting against these dead works of the, the Jewish believers who think, well, I'm, I do the sacrifices and I do this. Well, no, that's not enough. And what is James saying? He's yeah. saying you, you're, you Christians are saying, well, we're saved by Jesus. Well, where is the evidence that you're in Christ? Mm-hmm. You say you have faith, yet you do not bear fruit repent right like and they're both calling us to repentance from different areas and oh oh, it's almost like context matters this is why it's so important to understand the context of okay it's why hermeneutics matter how we read the bible herman who (laughs) understanding how we read the bible makes a difference in how we understand what it's saying it's so easy to misunderstand the bible if you don't have any idea the context that it's in Mm -hmm. um Anyway, moving on to the next line there, who with his precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sins. I'm just going to read the first reference. You can mm-hmm. pick up the other one if you want. First Peter 1 18. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversion received by tradition from your fathers. Right. We weren't. And then uh, 119. 
but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Hmm. And so I, I was reading about this um, recently in, in terms of covenant theology, right? And this is an area where Baptists and Presbyterians totally agree mm-hmm. is that this t- typological, right? The physical things that were happening in the old Testament are the, the supernatural foreshadowing of the reality supernaturally that took place with Christ. That is Amen. the, the, like the more grounded, Amen. the more grounded real thing is the thing that maybe seems a little bit more ethereal and yet is far more um, true, right? The, the heavenly temple is the true temple and the tabernacle on earth is merely a, uh, a foretaste of it. Uh, it. It's, it's this beautiful parallel that, that happens there. Um, you want to hit the other verses? This? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Moves on to 1 John 1, 7, which we were just talking about, 1 John. Um, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. his son, cleans us from all sin. Okay, so, um, Mm -hmm. first of all, uh, (laughs) I'm sure you've heard the phrase before, the scripture before, you know, that they will know the Father sent the Son by the way we love one another. Mm. Right. And the only way that we can have fellowship with one another rightly as brothers and sisters in Christ is by the blood of Christ, um, because we're walking in the light. That's what enables us. That's that that's walking in the light. Those works that we're doing, the good works that flow out from this from from the heart of a believer who loves Christ is naturally going to do these things because we love God. And and mm. naturally, that's going to have us uh, rightfully in fellowship with each other. Um that's why you and I can even can even hang out and agree oh, on anything, man. Blake. <laughs> well, that's right. Romans twelve ten. Love one another with brotherly affection. Yes. Outdo one another in showing honor. Right. It should be. There's a joke about like the the two polite Christians that are no you no you no you going through the door first. <laughs> yeah. But there's something true. I mean, as as corny as that kind of stereotype is, there's something beautiful and true about this desire to outdo one our, our brothers and sisters in Christ in showing honor to one another. Mm-hmm. And in you know preferring the other in love, and like that is I've been yeah. you know hearing different sermons on marriage and reading books and like what is what is it that people say you know people that have been married fifty years what do they say well it's this mutual it starts with that point yeah and that's you know and I'm I'm not married I haven't been but that's what I see is that's the that's the the piece of it right is this honoring and yet. Also in our Christian relationships, that's why Baptists and Presbyterians can reach across the aisle. That's why I have very good friends that are even broadly evangelical, that are charismatic, and I disagree mm-hmm. with them on a host of secondary and tertiary issues. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we both love Christ and we are unified to Christ. Therefore, we are unified one to another over and against the world and over and against people who, uh, rather than loving the bride of Christ and loving one another, are choosing to be arrogant and mm-hmm. condescending and, and to speak down to other believers um, rather than seeking to build them up in their faith. Amen. And, oh man, let's get the rest of these. For, this is, this is good, man. I'm getting like so yeah. <laughs> fired up. Oh. Well, yeah, he continues. Um, <laughs> the verse references continue uh, with first uh, John two, two uh, and he is the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. And then it continues. I write unto you in first uh, John two twelve. I write unto you little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. Mm. Right. So he didn't just save the Jews. 
Mm-hmm. He saved the Gentiles. He saved yeah. people everywhere, all mm-hmm. tongues, tribes, and nations, right? And he did it for whose sake? For his sake, for mm-hmm. his glory, mm-hmm. for his good, for his righteousness. And we benefit from that. We benefit mm-hmm. when, when God is glorified. There's no way we don't benefit. Yeah. If we love him, we're going to benefit from that. Yeah, man. It's partly in the fellowship with one another and ultimately in union with Christ. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's right. Isn't that the the beauty of what we see in like Romans 8, right? Like the Father is glorifying the Son, the Son is glorifying the Father, the Spirit's glorified. Like there's this, there is all of these things going on. The Spirit's interceding for us. The Son died for us. The Father is is planning that is, is choosing us in Christ, right? There's so much beauty going on there. And then we get to this, this next line, which is related to our Valley vision prayer. So it is he uh, who with his precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sins, obviously speak of Christ and delivered me from the pow- all the power of the devil. So to the carrot to the, to the new apostolic reformation folks who act like we are, you know, on a level playing field with Satan. First of all, we're not, we are not. We will be demolished. We will be devoured by the lion that is the devil who's mm. prowling about, right? But at the same time, our conquering king has already defeated him. And in that, we have confidence. In that, we have peace, right? What is he, the, the verse references here from Hebrews 2.14? For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise, himself likewise, took part of the same, that through death, he might destroy him, that is the devil, that had the power of death, right? Through the death of Christ, Jesus destroyed the power of the devil. So just think about that for, for, for a moment. You know, I, I, I've referenced this before, but I've read Joseph Campbell's um, Hero of a Thousand Faces, which is his study, his big study of comparative religion and his theory of the monomyth, right? That ultimately... All the stories and religions and mythologies throughout all society come down to this monomyth and he breaks it down to like Freudian psychology that it's it's a psychological response to, uh, you know, external factors. And and that's where this comes from. And, you know, there's all these things. And yet I am with Tolkien in what he said to C.S. Lewis, which ultimately converted Lewis. Right. Christianity is the true myth mm-hmm. upon which all other myths ultimately spring forth. That's why. Why do we see the hero's journey? Why do we see. This continuity, not I, I disagree with Campbell. It's not because there's this psychological inherent need. It's because we all recognize from Genesis three, right from the garden, yeah. we yeah. cling for God's going to send a redeemer who's going to crush the head, who's going to who's going to be bruised in the process. Right. That's why Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Star Wars. Why are these like cultural icons, even the Marvel movies and, and comic book movies? Why are they so popular? Mm-hmm. Well, they're telling us in many ways they're reflecting the gospel. Of the hero well, people who can't must escape suffer. their Christianity. They can't escape oh. the fact that they're made in the image of God. So they're going to mm. keep doing it. <laughs> mm. Oh, so good. What's that next verse reference before we get too carried away? Um, yeah, um, I'm actually going to read First John three eight from the ESV. I think it. Uh, I think it's a little bit more helpful, um, just in modern English. Um, it says this: Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Um, mm. <laughs> it's the reason I chose that because the. The King James says, he that committeth a sin is of the devil. Mm. Um, but understanding that rightly is those who practice sin, those who are in unrepentant sin, are of the devil, right? Scripture says, if you're not of your father in heaven, you're of your father, 
the devil. Uh, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Right? So one of the very purposes mm. of coming down, uh, humbling himself in the form of a man, was not only to save his people, but mm. was to absolutely wreck the devil. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Which he successfully does because he is God. Mm. Destruction 5,000. <laughs> Fatality. Fatality. <laughs> right, and then John eight thirty four is the next reference. I'm also going to pick up the, the ESV here. Jesus mm. answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And in verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. And verse 36, <laughs> so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I'm going to read that again. Boom. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the son of if <laughs> if the son who dwelt among us and took on flesh and lived and and died and suffered, if he sets you if Jesus sets you free from the bondage of sin, then you are free indeed. What does that mean? He's speaking to our eternal state ultimately, right? Because what does Paul say, right? Elsewhere in his letters, right? I do the thing I hate. I, 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 and the thing I want to do, I don't do, right? There's the struggle. We'll get to, we'll talk about sanctification in the life of the believer. But at the same time, right? If the son has set you free, you will be free indeed. Mm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let's All right, carry what's on. The, what's that next line? Man, I'm just getting fired up here. And so, preserves me. We'll stop there. And so <laughs> preserves me. Mm. Okay? So, what do we have for references just on that one half of a sentence? <laughs> uh, well, John 6.39, And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all of which he hath giveth, that hath given me, I should lose Nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. John 10, 28. Surprise, we've hit these before. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone take them out of my hand. Second mm. Thessalonians 3, verse 3. But the yes. Lord is faithful, who Preach. shall establish you and keep you from evil. And finally, in, uh, for, again, this is for that that one line in the Heidelberg. That mm. that. And so preserves me. This is all for that. First Peter 1 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be received in the last time. If that all <laughs> doesn't sing to you the confidence and the assurance that we can have mm. in our salvation, that we will, we will, God, God's promises come true, mm. we will mm -hmm. be raised on the last day with mm. him in glory forever and ever amen mm. i mean you, you can't you can't you cannot get anything other than the doctrine of perseverance of, mm. of the saints or the preservation of the saints from this there's no way mm -hmm. to look at these scriptures in their context mind you and yeah. not recognize god's sovereignty over keeping and successfully saving those whom he intended to Mm. He, 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 he's, 
You people keep using the word sovereign. I don't think you know what it means. <laughs> no, but it's it's true. He's he's mm-hmm. he's sovereign. Like we don't understand what that means in our culture anymore. Mm-hmm. We don't get it. Yeah. Um, he wins exactly what mm. he intends to win. He's God. Mm. Who are mm. you, oh man, to speak back to God? Mm. Oh man. <laughs> And so uh, preserves me that without the will of my heavenly father, not a hair can fall from my head. What we got for verses there, bro? Mm. If we look at Matthew ten twenty nine, and not two sparrows sold for, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without mm. your father. Matthew ten thirty. but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Can, can you... I mean, that, that's more that, that's more significant for you than it is for me. <laughs> that's true. Well, unless we're that's counting true. face hair, because uh, I have plenty of that. But consider the amount of people on Earth, right? We're approaching mm-hmm. 8 billion people on Earth. And God knows the hairs on every head and, and, and the stars in the universe. And oh, my goodness. Talk mm. about talk about unattainable, vast knowledge and wisdom is just un- un- mm. incredible uh continuing on 1031 it says fear ye not therefore ye are of more value than the sparrows mm. Mm. um quick sidebar <laughs> i was in college <laughs> as a rec major right and we were given this bible to read uh or recommended this bible to read called the green bible where instead of all the words of christ being in red all of the words that had to do with creation were in green. Okay? And we had a discussion in class about whether or not humans were of more value than creation, the rest of creation. This is a professor at a Christian college asking these questions. And my good buddy, Trevor, who's now a pastor, mind you, awesome guy, he immediately pulls up this verse. And he says, yes, we are of more value mm. than the birds. And <laughs> left the professor silent because that's what the Bible says. We are uniquely created in his mm. image and have infinitely mm-hmm. more value to God than the birds. Right. And again, um, we are to have dominion. We're to, we're to steward what God has given us. But that doesn't mean that God values the sparrows more than the people for whom the son died to save. Amen. Anyways. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, the last verse, Luke 21, 18, mm. but not a hair of your head will perish. Oh, oh man. What's the next uh, phrase there in the Heidelberg? What do we got now? Um, oh, we're not quite to the last phrase yet. No, we're getting there. Yay. That all things must be subservient. To my salvation. Oh. And the reference there is just Romans 8.28, which, man, if we, haven't, if we haven't read this verse, I don't know how many times on this podcast, and we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and who are called according to his purpose, right? This those is important. that are saved, right? Those that are called yeah, mm-hmm. according to his purpose, all yeah. things work together for good. That means every suffering. Every pain, and, and I don't agree with John Piper on quite a few things, but I think he's amazing in a couple areas. And this is one that he gets like almost nobody else alive today who's preaching. All things. That means in the midst of our most, most dark time, in our darkest suffering, in the worst situation, it's not, it's not random 
cold, calculated chance. It's not the universe that's indifferent to you. There is a loving and sovereign God who is working mm. that for your good. And there are pastors. That's why it's so important to be in the local church, to be under good teaching, because a good yes. pastor will come along and they know that this, you know, you don't throw this verse at somebody who's in the midst of a trial. You don't like throw it at them as a, as a get over it. No, mm. but you can bring it in alongside and remind them, Hey, Jesus, I'm going to weep with you. I'm going to, I'm going to pour out with you. And I, I, I read this line about, uh, from somebody who had been through some incredible tragedies. And he basically said, you know, that right in the moment of it is not the time to, to say that to me. Let me greet, like there's a time for grief, right? The Bible tells mm-hmm. us this, but in time, then the sufferer is the one who comes through and says, all things work for good. Because Christ has come and comforted them in their suffering in a unique way that those of us who haven't suffered to that degree don't understand. Mm-hmm. We can intellectualize it, we can, uh, but we haven't experienced what it's like to suffer and to have the comfort of Christ confirmed in that way. I agree. Piper nails this particular subject mm-hmm. very well. I mean, when he talks about the fact that none of our suffering is meaningless. Mm-hmm. None mm. of it is meaningless. All of it is working together in eternal weight of glory that we will get in glorification with Christ in eternity. All of it, yeah. every every bit of our suffering that that mm. is for for the sake of the Father, all of it has purpose and meaning, and none of it is meaningless. None of it is wasted. None of it is uh, outside of God's sovereignty and His decree. Now, I, it's important we understand whom this is referring to. This is for whom mm. all of those those who love. God, who are called mm-hmm. according to his purpose. This applies to the elect only. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is, this, is, uh, this, is some, this is a promise that we get, a benefit that we get as being adopted sons and daughters of mm-hmm. God's family. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, again, that's, it's an important distinction. Yeah, and we know is. you Presbyterians love to distinguish. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to this next line, right? And therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life. I'm just going to read the first mm. uh, two or three references here because they're all from the same section. First, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are yes and amen to the glory of God by us. 21. Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, right? The one who is anointed, the one who's bringing us in is God, right? Verse 22 who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Now that's a good mm-hmm. old, old English phrase. And there's a great clip on Reformed Thug Life of Vodi Bakum preaching on this, right? Because what is an earnest money contract? I'm going to steal from him real, real, real good here. It's so good. Earnest money contract is where you say, I'm going to buy this piece of property. Here's the down payment. And if I come to closing day and I don't have what I owe, you keep the property and you keep my down payment. Well, what's the what's the earnest money contract? What's the the down payment on the mm-hmm. ceiling and the salvation of the people of God? Just the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Just the third person of the Holy Trinity. You know, third- so and that's where where Vody goes on to say the only way for you to stop being a Christian is if God stops being God, right? The mm. only way that mm. we that, that those that are in Christ, and that's important, right? It's not on our mm. ability. It's not because I said a prayer once. It's not because I said, I believe Jesus is Lord. It's because Christ died and purchased his people. 
a specific mm. people, a particular people, a peculiar people, that mm. the Spirit indwells those people as the seal and the sign and the earnest of their inheritance, of their salvation. What can possibly be more comforting than that? Mm. Mm. If you're in Christ, you are indefinitely in Christ, and mm. there is nothing. That's why. That's why this whole this whole question exists. It is our only comfort in life and in death. Mm. The only one that we have. Nothing else can comfort us in this way. And why? Mm. Because God keeps his promises. He Mm. keeps his people. Nothing can take his people from his hand. Mm. And the same kind of idea is continued in chapter 5, verse 5 of 2 Corinthians. Now he that hath wrought us for the same self thing is God, and who also hath given unto us the earnest, there's that word again, of the Spirit. Mm. We are given the Spirit as a promise, as a down payment, as a as a sign and a seal of what is to come. <laughs> oh, how very Presbyterian of you. Oh, and then Ephesians one thirteen, in whom I'll actually, read it in gonna, the ESV. Yeah, I'll read that, it in the ESV. In him you also when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. I love what you quoted about Vodi. Mm. Uh, the only way you stop being a Christian <laughs> is if God stops being God. Mm. How incredibly comforting is that? Mm-hmm. I mean, even in, in, as someone who struggled with doubts throughout my whole Christian mm-hmm. walk, yeah. um, it's it's these promises that sustain me. Yeah. In in my darkest hours when I've been feeling furthest from God, it's these verses that I've turned to and realized mm. it doesn't matter how I feel. Mm. Mm. <laughs> because God's not gonna lose me. Mm. He's not gonna lose me. And mm. I, I am I can trust with the Holy Spirit that my salvation is safe and secure. Right. Well that's uh you- Got also one fourteen there for us. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll continue. Let me continue. <laughs> uh, the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee, the guarantee, mm. the guarantee. Oh, of our inheritance, the, mm. the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Mm. And then that echoes very strongly with Romans eight sixteen, which is the next verse in that reference. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, right? The spirit bears witness Mm -hmm. to our new identity as adopted sons and daughters of the King, right? Mm -hmm. Well, first John, we're Mm. working through this first John. How do we have assurance of our salvation? Because we love his law. We do the things that he calls us to do. Mm. And we know that because the Holy spirit enables us to do that. And the Holy spirit is bearing witness to us that we are saved by the fact that we are doing joyfully these works that God has laid out for us. Well, we that's know, right. That's the last line here. Right. Right. right, right. And makes me sincerely willing. Not mm. makes me willing, not coerces me, not drags me kicking and screaming. Sincerely. Makes me willing. sincerely willing and ready henceforth to live unto him. I'm going to read the, the Romans reference if you want to get first John. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And we're not talking about a charismatic or or Pentecostal, oh well the spirit, I got a I got a tingling in tingling in my stomach. Like I, I we're talking about following the words of truth. Mm. We're talking about 
submitting to the to the scripture. We're talking about being unified with Christ. Led by the Spirit isn't about sensations and emotions and feelings, though it certainly can manifest in those ways. I'm getting tingly mm. right now. I know. <laughs> but it's about following what what has God revealed to us, right? The Spirit will teach us all things. Well, what's good? All things that I've already shown you, right? The Spirit's going to bring to your remembrance the things that I've said to you. We go back mm. to his word and the spirit illumines us. We can read the word. We can read the word cover to cover and come away as unsaved as we were before Christ. Unless the spirit leads us into the truth. And what's that verse in John? Sorry. I got, yeah, no, the last verse uh, is first John three, three, but I'm going to start at three, one. Oh. Uh, Cause there's a little great, a little bit of great context here. Hmm. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Mm. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because He shall see Him as He is. And here we go, and everyone thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure mm. amen makes me think of that old hymn right uh um how's it go <laughs> uh it talks about the father's love for us right mm. and so the father's love for us right amazing love mm. it's incredible it's incredible yeah. Are you talking about how deep the Father's love for us? Um, uh, yes, yes, that's mm. the one. That's uh, so good, dude. I love that song. Well, anyways, hopefully, guys, uh, I'm like super fired up now. It's yeah. it's it's not even that late at night, but I feel like it was late, and now I'm just totally totally uh, uh, excited because, man, what a good and encouraging exercise. Yeah. So, if this isn't yeah. if this hasn't encouraged you yet, go check out the Heidelberg Catechism. Honestly, it's amazing. It's incredible. Um, if you're a Baptist, you can also check out the 1680, uh, or yeah, the uh, 1680 um, Orthodox Catechism mm-hmm. by Hercules Collins, which is essentially the Heidelberg with Baptist distinctives. Um, it's phenomenal. I, I mm. so appreciate all these these saints that have gone before who who mm. Amen. so brilliantly wrote down these things for us to refer to, um, mm-hmm. so that we can really sink our teeth in and and see sort of a summary of what we believe in in a way that is easily applicable. Um, I mean, in the form of a question, it's so easy to say, this is the question mm-hmm. that people have. Here's the answer. And if you want to have further study, this is all the places in scripture that you can refer to, mm-hmm. to really have the answers in their context. It's not just blatantly, this is what we believe and uh, we're making it up as we go. And it's like, no, this is what yeah. we've thought about for centuries. This is what the church has taught and believed for, for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's awesome stuff, absolutely awesome stuff. So get get yourself, uh, get yourself. Since we're since we're dealing with Banner of Truth right now, head Ooh. over to Banner of Truth and get yourself a copy oh. of the Heidelberg. They have awesome little pocket Puritans, oh, um, yeah, and and they have an awesome copy of uh, of the Heidelberg. Mm-hmm. Well, you're ready to get the rest of the little pocket Puritans. They're awesome, indeed. Great little stuff. Now next week we're going to be talking about. Another surprise. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> but we're going to be tasting Koki's Barolo Kinato Sweet Vermouth. So God bless you. Uh, thank you. Gesundheit. 
and I want to remind people that we are still proud members of the Society of Reform Podcasters. This is a network of doctrinally sound podcasts from a reform perspective, including Assurance of Pardon, The Bobcast, Christ in Context, Distill It in Theology, Fast God Stuff, The Five Points Church Planting Podcast, Reform Brotherhood, Reform Pilgrims, Seeker Start, Sipping on Theology, and the Steady Anchor Podcast. You can subscribe Woo-hoo! to all these and get the get the mega feed, get the Dirty backlog boy. of all these shows at reformedpodcasts.com. Now, Justin, where can people get more distilling theology content? Well, if people do feel so inclined to, for whatever reason, have more of us in their lives, uh, there's a lot of places they can go. They can head on over to Facebook. Most people have a Facebook. It is indeed 2020, and you've been stuck at home for 9, 10, 11 months. So I'm sure you have a Facebook, and if you do, join us on our Facebook group, Distilling Theology. We're approaching 600 members. Awesome, awesome group there. Uh, You can interact with us, as well as a whole bunch of really great, God-fearing people. Um, You can also like our Facebook page, which will give you updates on what we're doing, what's Mm. available, the giveaways we're doing, like the one we're doing right now. Yeah, yeah, lots of great stuff there. Head on over to Instagram if you have one. Follow us there. We have over a thousand people following us on Instagram now, which is awesome. And we have some sweet, sweet content there. Uh, if you want to know what to read and what to sip, check out our Instagram and we would recommend all of the things that you see. Ooh. <laughs> um, yeah. Also head on over to our, uh, oh, oh, you know what? I'm going to reference Twitter because, uh, cause, cause our good friend just tweeted an awesome true. Uh, picture of our mug. Uh, yeah. The old Samuel Renahan, Samwise. Uh, I just got his new book, Deity and Decree. Oh, yeah. So I'm very excited to get into that. Sounds like we're going to have to have him back on the show. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So follow us there at uh, Distilling Tea uh, because uh, that's what fit in the handle. Indeed. Um, <laughs> uh, and then go over to distillingtheology.com. You can uh, join our giveaway. There's a giveaway link there. Uh, well, you still can um, go there. You can get a link to our store there. You can sign up for our Patreon there. Um, Blake, why would people want to join Patreon? Well, for the cost of a grande pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks, you can get, starting at $4.99 per month, extended conversations, early release episodes, because we usually live stream the episodes on Wednesday, and then they are released the following Tuesday to the general public. You can get exclusive bonus content behind the scenes, occasionally getting to vote on the spirits that we taste. You also get a discount in all the merch on the Distilling Theology online store. And at $14.99 per month, you get an exclusive Distilling Theology mug after the first three months of support, plus some extra content. I'm working on some of that in post uh, as we speak. So very exciting times. We can't wait to see you guys next week for our surprise topic and to be tasting Brolikinato from Koki. So guys and gals, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Soli Deo Gloria. <laughs>